you for listening to this message from the Northgate. So, man, it's exciting to be here with you today. I, I have not done this in a long time, but I figure because we have so many kids in the room, I'm like, yes, Lord wakes me up at 3 o'clock in the morning the other day, and it's like, hey, let's do an illustrated sermon, have a little bit of fun with the kids. Also, freak out some of our guests, okay? Some of our guests in the room, I'm going to freak you out. You know, some of you don't know who I am, and then the other thing, I'm going to remind you who I am, and they'll be like, okay, we're good. So all the home folk will be like, yep, he's still crazy, all right? And some of the new folk will be like, oh, my God, what is he about to pull out of this box? Because I'm about to introduce the treasure box here to what we're about to speak on today. But everybody knows that we have been in a journey here for a long period of time on John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but through him you might be set free. And so what happens is we've lost the peace of the father sent the son that through the father-son dance Literally what Apostle D has been teaching us through the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the dance of periperesis, where we have been in the circle dance of love, loving, love, loving, love, loving, love, is where we were created. It's where when we were sent to earth that we were actually called back to. We were all called back to the circle dance of love with the Father. And so inside of that, he sends his son to invite us as brides, even you men, Bridal identification and sonship is what every one of us need to walk in, not warriors, because inside of warriors, we try to fix everything. It's not that you won't have masculinity and don't have a fight inside of you, but what good is a fight if you don't have tenderness? What good is a war if you can't find peace and find a place called home? Because if you watch any movie, which I love Troy and I love Gladiator and I'll start spilling my beans of the stuff. Troy came on the other day. I was locked in. Everybody just shut everything down. We're watching Troy. It's like that and the four Rocky movies. I'm done. I'm done for the day. It's an eight-hour day at that point right now. And if I'm in at Rocky 3, I'm in Rocky 3 to 4, okay? And now it gets even worse because now I can go to Netflix and watch Creed 1 and Creed 2 and I'm just, I'm in, okay? So the fight will always remain inside of me. But what we understand is what I'm not looking for warfare. I'm not searching for demons. I'm not told to seek for the devil. I'm not told to look for things. And what we've made everything about is things. And God so loved the world that he sent his son. He sent his son for what? For the world, for you. He didn't send his son for things. And we make all of our life about things. And I want to pull some things out of my treasure box today because I want to show you how if we get so focused on things, When we get focused on things and we can't control things because we don't know who we are, these things that were made to be safe and these things that were made to help the world can now become a poison to the world because the world was created for relationship, not for things. And we have more relationship with things than we do with people. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that literally he's waiting for the world to be so unified. Unified in what? I can't be in unity with Africa if I don't know Africa. But what can help the earth is that if I show such a unification in the city of Streetsboro and the city of Toledo and places that I'm called to be entangled with, our love and our unity can become a lighthouse in the earth or what the Bible says can become a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, that becomes the light and the glory of God. How do we become the light and the glory of God when you're having a good time? Because the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is not you hating your boss. It's not you hating your marriage. It's not you dealing with all of these things because none of us were called to deal with things. We were called to be entangled in relationship. And as we're entangled in relationship, we're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to love. And so how can I help Africa by loving everybody in this room? How can I help England by loving everybody in this room? How can I help Southern Ohio by loving everybody in this room that God has placed in my path? He said, I so love the world that I took the most precious. There's not a parent in here that would sacrifice their child. So he was using that as a demonstration. He who knew no sin came and put on flesh. Why could he put on flesh? Because he was showing you one thing. You need to learn to die to self. Jesus was showing you how to die. As he showed you how to die, he was doing it for you. And somehow we made Jesus' death all about things. That's why in Matthew 6.33, when I taught here recently, as I taught here recently, 
I told you in Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of his righteousness. And the Passion Translation translates, and every less important thing will be what? Watch how he says this. Every less important thing will be taken from you. No, it will be given to you. We're putting things in a place of priority where we need to put God in a priority and we need to put each other in priority. We need to put our spouses in priority first before our children. Ooh, did I say that? Yes, I said it out loud. Because you know what you're raising your children to do? Leave, get out, don't stay in my basement. Quit eating my food, go get your own food, learn to self-sustain. Come on, don't make me get Steve Harvey in here. I've been listening to him lately, man. He's got a podcast. And he's like, let me tell you something about my inheritance. I'm only giving 20% of my inheritance to my kids. The other 80%, I'm going to spend on mama, and we're going to go to Hawaii, and we're going to go here. And the audience said, Steve, why would you do that? Because he said, I'm raising my own kids to raise their own inheritance, and the 20% is enough. Woo! All right, I just, some of you won't come back by that right there. He talked about money. He offended me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, that's cool, man. I'm supposed to run with who I'm supposed to run with. Okay, so inside of this, we have allowed things. What kind of things do we allow? Because it says God so loved the world, not so God so loves our stuff or our things. And so I'm like, I'm looking at my world and I'm going, okay, in my world, what, what begins to happen? What's some of the stuff? Whoop. Hey, frequency. Hey. Everybody look. It's empty. This is how every visitor is not coming back. The man, ha- the man has a gun. I'm just letting you know I always have a gun. Like I told you, I'm going to remind some of you who I am, okay? And others that don't know me, he's freaking crazy. I'm not crazy. Why? Because this is a thing that only becomes an issue if you can't control it. You understand what I'm saying? And so what happens is inside of Christianity, and I'm going to call a bunch of teenagers up here, but I'm not calling teenagers up here for this. I'm going to call the most experienced man that can handle this in the room up here, and that's Mike Clendenin. So Mike Clendenin, come on up here. Listen, God has, watch how I do this, safety, okay? You never hand anybody a closed gun. You hand them an open gun. See, what is that? That's called standard restrictions and rules for what? Safety. And what we don't want in the body of Christ is standard safety and rules from somebody who knows what they're doing so somebody who doesn't know what they're doing don't get hurt. Oh, oh, this, this is Galatians 5. This is where apostle will go next because it's through the guardrails of the Holy Spirit. Got to deal with your righteousness first. Then we're going to come with apostolic government in Galatians 5. Okay, so go ahead and be seated. And sometimes what happens is if... We don't pay attention to how much involved we'll get with our things. Our things will begin to overtake us. And you were never called to be overtaken by stuff. You were called to be overtaken by his love, his power, and his presence. Because the Bible says that my footsteps are ordered by God. God orders the footsteps of a righteous man. And if you're tracking with Apostle D of what a righteous man is, Jesus said that a righteous man falls seven times. What makes him righteous is the fact that he knows how to get up. And if he can't get up on his own, he surrounds himself with people that can pick him up and get him moving in the right direction. So righteousness, watch, is found inside of God, but it's also found inside of the God of others who are willing to pick somebody up when they're down. That's where we begin to find the whole righteousness of God. And so we have issues right here all across America. This is causing issues all across America. And as that thing is causing issues, that thing blinds you from God. What else do we begin to mess with? What else, what else begins to get in our way and get that we just focus on things? Da-da-da! Sports. Sports can become such a thing that we become so obsessed with. And listen, so are you going to preach against sports? Heck no. My kids play three sports a year. I'm just saying right now, I have to make sure that I teach my kids that this can now become the priority of everything that is in their life. Now, we can take this sport and we can learn teamwork. We can learn discipline. We can learn all these things. We can learn hand-eye coordination. Guess, kids, why do you need to learn hand-eye coordination? Because as you get older, okay, and let's just say you get in a conflict, you can dodge the hand. Okay, you can dodge, okay? If you can dodge a baseball, you can dodge your wife swinging at you because you're messing with her while she's doing dishes. You keep poking and pinching and she's like, get off of me. You Like the Matrix, man. You're just like, ha ha. 
There's so much that you can learn. There's so much that you can learn from things, but don't let things become your obsession. Hunter, coming up here and hold the baseball. Oh, no, sit back down. You don't play baseball anymore. Chris, come on up. Oh, do you see how that happens? See how we try to put things on people that we're not supposed to put on them? Listen, I, man, God woke me up at three in the morning. So I'm going to put something on somebody that should be on somebody. And then we want to understand why people are insecure, broken, and all these things. Listen, man, if Johnny can't throw, Johnny can't throw. Quit signing him up for the baseball team. He might do better in cross country or wrestling. Not everybody's called to be a baseball player. But I've always dreamed of little Johnny being a baseball player. I'm glad that's what you dreamed of. That What did God dream for little Johnny? Maybe God dreamed for little Johnny to be an orchestra. Maybe God dreamed for him to be a trumpet player or a cellist. Well, I don't see a cellist in my future because you're missing the inheritance of God. We'll take a coin, but we won't take the whole vault. It's inheritance for all, man. Is this fun yet? How many more little goodies do I have in the box? What do I got in the box? What do I got in the box? Oh, forgot to put this in the box. One of these things that is taking up everybody's time is what? Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Can this be a bad thing? No, man. On the internet, I need to get a hold of the school. I need to get a hold. I need connection and everything. But when we make this all about marketing self and we make this all about selfies, got to get the angle. Hold on. I'm going to get you. Got to get the angle. I'm preaching now. So some of you women didn't amen me. Got to get the daggone light, man. Oh, need a friend. Do you know why our generation don't do duck lips? Because we watched it live in color. Okay, okay. Oh, Lawanda. Oh, you don't mess with Lawanda. That's right. All I see is Jamie Foxx. Every time I see a little girl go. I'm like, man, you need to get that girl in living color right now. You can do what you want to do. In <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Man, we have got to quit letting a generation get so wrapped up in their self. So I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just showing. So Alexis, come up here. Because look. Look, come on up here. Stand, up, stand next to your dad. Give a little space. Right here, that's good. Listen, this isn't dangerous if she's identified. This isn't, oh, somebody hear me. This isn't dangerous if she's beloved. This isn't dangerous if I teach her from here all the way up how loved she is by God and she doesn't need to show skin and she doesn't need to go, so come on, some of you lemon, why do I keep catching the wrong guy? Listen, you use a plastic worm to catch bass. And you use chicken livers to catch catfish. Maybe you're catching something because you're using the wrong bait. Somebody track with me now. So I need to teach my daughter and the daughters of this house that listen, this is communication. This is not security. This is not my security blanket. And we've created this to be our security blanket all over America. And what we're doing is we're making lords out of things. We're making lords out of it. And God's saying, this isn't bad. If you have a business, if listen, they're all over the place. What makes them bad is when you're obsessed by it. Can you shut the Facebook off and the Snapchat and the Instagram and the Hillbilly Graham and the Farmer's Aid and the... JohnDeerChicks.com. It doesn't exist, cut right, boys. It don't exist. <laughs> no, it don't exist. It may. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, God. Oh, they're going to go home and Google. That, Colton's pulling his phone out right now. John Deere girls are all gone. My God. <laughs> See, this is what Resurrection Sunday should be about. Not about, my God, if you're not living with Jesus, you're all going to burn in eternity. You're, why are we going to burn in a place that wasn't made for us? Hell wasn't made for us. It was made for the devil. So I'm not going to make this whole message based around what you're going to burn in. I'm going to say, hey, we've made things such a priority. And Jesus said, I died for you, not for it. And so what we'll do is we'll start praying against these things. My God, my husband is obsessed with hunting. He's obsessed with blah, 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 blah. My husband, my husband, my husband. And we start praying at this. You need to repent of your sin right now. 
You think I'm kidding, man. You know what's crazy? I used to joke about this. Every time I see a pickup truck that's jacked up with big tires, you look at Colton. <laughs> Colton starts going, hey, come on. Come on. He's going to wave his cowboy hat at me next. My God. Oh, a six-foot lift on the truck. <laughs> Some of y'all are starting to realize my roots here. But no, watch this, man. I used to make a joke out of this. When me and Tina would be uh, driving around and I'd see a big jacked up truck, I'd be like, oh, baby, I'm sorry. Forgive me. She'd be like, for what? I'm like, I'm lusting over that truck. The truth is I was. And so what? You're preaching against big trucks? No, I got a truck now. I'm begging her to put a lift kit on it, but she won't get in it if I put a lift kit on it. Okay? She's too pretty. So I'd rather have a pretty wife than have a... What are you saying? Only ugly chicks driving trucks? I don't know. I don't know. Mine's pretty and don't want to jump up in the truck, so I want to keep the pretty one. So this is, watch this. This is about my world. And with you and Jesus, it's about your world. And so guns may not be an issue to you, but guns may be an issue to him. And cell phones may not be an issue to you, but cell phones might be an issue to her. And sports may be an issue to you, but it may be to their family. And you got to figure out how to not be obsessed with things. So we start binding and praying against things. And God's going, I've used all of this to bless the earth. You ready for the next one? Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. Your whole walk with God. I said this in a, in a teaching the other day. I said, man, if you go and get his 20, you want 20 bucks? Yeah. You want 20 bucks? Man, he's like, are you jealous? Father, 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 father. Watch, watch. What am I doing? I'm for God so love the world. You want 20 bucks? You want you You want 20 bucks? You want for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso for God so loved that he gave for God so loved that he gave for God so loved that he gave here's the thing if any of our giving produces PTSD or separation anxiety we've allowed the thing to become the Lord of our life if, if, if literally so all the kids that got money come stand up here now I got you I got you I got you come stand over here Stand over here. So, man, literally what we'll do is we'll start praying, and it's okay to pray for provision. What it's not okay to do is be so worried, scared to death that you don't know what you're going to do with your finances because God said, I'll bless you. If the grass grows and the flowers bloom and the trees rise again in the spring, how much more does God love you? Why are we worried about things? Why are we worried about things? Because God said, I so love the world. I so love you and everything that's around it. All things work together for the good to those that love God. We have got to get baptized in the word of God. So literally when our table gets shook, all you got to say is all things work together for the good to those that love God. And I'm not going to allow anything come between me and God both of them are addictions so bind every microphone no bind every no we've got to come into this place in the earth come on Trent We've got to come into this place that we so know who we are in God and we start making this about God and ourselves. T-Bone, come here. Do you see what we'll do? Do you see all this? I've watched ministry for years. Today is about the resurrection of Jesus. I watched ministry for years begin to bind addiction, begin to bind fame and fortune and, all, and the platform and all that stuff, bind the whole addiction of insecurity and the anxiety and depression and trying to feel, bind everybody, brother, we got to get rid of guns. No, we do not. We, you know, we don't need to get rid of anything on this platform. Ready for the last one? Anybody know what this is? Takeout from restaurants because we forgot about the family table. Because all of this, making money, earning money, chasing money, all of this has made us forget the greatest thing that we were called to be in part of, and it was family. And so even this can become what was supposed to be nurturing, can become addiction, can become gluttony, 
and we're killing ourselves off of something that was supposed to be nutritious. And then we were given a family table and we're so hustling, bustling, busy and we're so focused on things. We sit here and we go, God, give me my family. God, give me my family. God's going, then I need you to figure out how to control this. And I need you to figure out how to control this. And I need you to figure out how to control this. And the word we're all saying is, why is he saying control? Because it's actually called self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. That none of this is bad. It only becomes bad when it's in the hands of broken people. Everything up here can be used for what? All things. Look at this. I'm going to take it now. Thank you. Thank you. You can have the money. Give me my baseball mitt. You can keep the money, keep the money, keep the money. Go sit down. Go be seated. Now, does this make the picture look different when it says all things work together for the good to those that love God? All things work together for the good to those that love God. So why did Jesus go through death, burial, and resurrection? Because he was teaching us to be conquered by love. This is something that I wrote. Jesus on the cross in death, burial, and resurrection was teaching us to be conquered by love. Give me love that leads me and guides me. Give me love that leads me and guides me. Guides me to what? To him. So I will know the real me inside of real love. Let love lead me to the tears and the travail, to the triumph and the victory. In this day and age, we can't afford to love less. We need to figure out how to love more. Let your love become mighty inside of me. So the answer that Apostle Damon gave us for the world around us will be the one that is inside of us. By love, I shall walk rightly. By love, I shall be guided. By love, I shall serve as I ought to serve. Love will soften every broken area, hard place of my life. Love will lighten every care and allow me to see others in situations correctly. Love will begin to move the unquestioning out so I can follow in trust where you're wanting to take me. Love will triumph in every area of my life because as Jesus walks in victory, I am called to walk in victory. We try to figure these many things out our own. If we stop trying to figure it out on our own, and lean to God and lean to the family that God has placed around. Lean to the body God has placed around us. In Acts 2, when the church was birthed, they heard a message that spoke them straight to the heart and it did not say, you've received Jesus Christ. You've been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Now go figure out your own walk. No, it says, then they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrines and teachings. They were met together regularly. They met together regularly. They saw many miracle signs and wonders. It was about a body coming together and all we try to figure out is how we can get more divided on the things we don't agree on but it's love patience and kindness that's going to create a lighthouse that becomes a city set on the hill let's go to Ephesians 5 so I can begin to show you this through the word of God 11:16. getting out of here by noon I'll never be able to do 45 minutes I'm just telling you right now I'll never be able to do 45 minutes. And I'm going to say it like this. I'm never getting you coffee and donuts. You have to get your own. Okay, look at everybody like, man, God bless the city. Okay, should have went to Starbucks, Dunkin', human being. Okay, you had places to go this morning. All right, watch this in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 14 says this. And the scripture says, this is why we need to be in the word. Arise, you sleeper. Rise up from your coffin and the anointed one, which is Jesus, will shine his light into you. So be very careful. Here comes guidelines of the Holy Spirit. Everything in the kingdom is permissible. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to have access. Okay? There's kairos moments for all of that. Okay? 
So listen to this. So be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom. For we are living in evil times. Can somebody say we're living in evil times, right? So the answer is not to begin to call out things. The answer is for you to be a shining light. What is the issue of darkness? It's the absence of light. The issue of darkness is the absence of light. So if the world is darker and everybody's saying it's dark, then we need light. What is light? It's the glory of God in you. It's a smile on your face. It's holding the door open when somebody walks through. It's preferring somebody over yourself. It's me giving $20 to kids without having PTSD and separation anxiety from the very seed God gave me. God's going to give me again. And I'm going to quit worrying about being an extravagant giver. Does that mean give money to your church? No, it means give money and time and resources everywhere that you go. If Listen, if your kids are on a baseball team, give your whole self. Because you know what I do when I coach sports? I just start grabbing dads. I, now I start, 2022, I start grabbing moms. And you know what somebody always tells me? Watch, you know what somebody always tells me? Man, I can't coach. I, I can't coach. I never played the sport or I don't know. And I look at them and say, you don't have to know. See how we'll make it about things? You don't have to know. There are guys in the room, especially our wrestling room, there are state caliber wrestlers all over the room. Just listen to those guys. Just start connecting to yourself to somebody that has the right information. Start connecting yourself and then do what? Imitate what they're doing. That's why Paul told Timothy, you imitate me as I follow Christ. I don't know how to follow Christ. That's cool, we'll do it together. Well, this whole thing is about together. It's not about independence. If we're going to step into the greatest days of the church, then the church is going to have to get so entangled as a family. That's why you have to realize, why do I live here? Why do my kids go to school there? Why do I work there? Why do I shop there? Why, why do I continue? I loved it when my dad went up to the pharmacy the other day and we're walking up and I'm like, dad, go on it. I'm like, my mom just had this surgery. Watch how you need to be entangled with people. The pharmacy's closed. Literally, it's closed. We show up early. He knows it's closed. I don't know it's closed. But this is why you got to be connected to somebody who's connected to somebody who knows some things that you don't know. So mom had surgery. She had her teeth pulled. And we needed to get the painkillers. So when she came right, if you've ever had your teeth pulled or a tooth pulled, raise your hand. You want painkillers? Yes. Okay. So we go and we're walking up. John Eagle, and I'm like, Dad, go on it. Dad, it's closed. Soon as we got close enough, watch this. Soon as we got close enough to the pharmacist that he could identify my dad. This is why you got to be identified as you. Stop trying to be somebody else. Be identified as you. Because if it would have been me go up there, I wouldn't have got what he got. I wouldn't have got what he got. This is why when you walk, see somebody walking in favor, you don't get mad at your brother because if your brother got 20 bucks, if you guys are intertangled hard enough and deep enough, you got 20 bucks, he got 20 bucks. That's what the entangled life looks like. So we go to walk up and literally the man say, hey, Raj, man, what are you doing here so early, man? He goes, oh, my wife had surgery and we got to get, and uh, he said, oh, man, he said, hey, give me that prescription. And what seemed locked to everybody else, the right individuals in the right relationships have full access. Oh, somebody hear me. What seems locked to somebody else when you are identified as beloved, it will unlock what you needed to unlock. And not just for you, not just for you, not just for you, for the people that are closest to you. Dude, dude, come on, somebody. So be very careful how you live and not being like those who have no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom. For we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every single day as you spend your life for God's purposes. And don't live foolishly, for then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. Don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion, which is anything that opposes the truth of God. That's what rebellion is. It's a twisting of the truth. Don't allow anything to begin to twist the way you see things, because then you'll start fighting against, watch this, you'll start fighting against what God's trying to entangle you in. And we'll make it about things. 
Rebellion is this. No, rebellion is you not being seated and getting entangled with the people you're supposed to be entangled with. That's rebellion. God is calling for a body to come together and he's looking for a place to put his authority on it. He looks at his disciples who he was teaching what? How to get entangled. He was teaching them how to do life together. He was teaching them how to do everyday life together. He looks at the 12 men and says, hey, gentlemen, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of God has no place to lay his head. Do you think Jesus was talking about sleep? He said, I can't find a unified enough body and I'm looking at 12 of you who are arguing over who's the greatest and who's gonna sit next to me. I'm gonna teach you boys how to wash each other's feet. I'm gonna teach you how to commune together. I'm gonna teach you how to pray together on the greatest hour of history in a garden where I'm about to give my life on a cross and then we're gonna break bread together and in that breaking bread together, you're just not gonna wash each other's feet this time. You're gonna wash my feet. He was showing them how to interweave their lives so that he could place his authority on them and heaven could invade the earth. Not so it's some sweet by and by after I live through this cruel world. and drunk. Do you know what drunkenness really is? It means your mind's not right. That's why we need metanoia to change the way we think. Repent. Apostle D said metanoia is change the way you think. We need repentance so we can see love, feel love, give love, receive love, get entangled in love, walk in love. Everywhere that we go, because this last day movement in the earth is going to be the revelation of the Father's love. That's why there's no hell today. That's why there's no your discipline issues. No, man, we're not talking about our sin consciousness and our everybody in here's got issues, including, including everybody in here has something that Apostle Paul said is a Weakness of the flesh. And how did he say you get over the weakness of your flesh? By learning how to lean on your brother. Well, brother, all I need is God as my authority. Yeah, we tried that once. His name was Adam. That didn't work. We tried that Jesus is my only authority. His name was Adam. We need, you're going to see it here in a second, each other, not doing what we need to each other. We need to submit to each other. We need to yield to each other. We need to comfort one another. We need to pray for one another. We need to seek for one another. Okay, so watch this, because why? What's the redemption? You fully alive, but not just you fully alive, this city fully alive, a generation fully alive, a state fully alive. Listen, I was sitting with Joe Liggett the other day, and he's like, man, I've not been to this city in a long time. And he straight looked at me, and he said, have you guys really took a look at how much has happened in this city? Healing, God is, watch, the Bible's, oh, this is so good. The Bible says, confess your sins. Seek after God and he'll do what, Joe? Heal the land, right? He'll heal the land. Call for the people, that, I'm paraphrasing, call for the people that will pray, that will repent, change the way they think. Confess where they're having some issues and then watch, I'll begin to heal their land. You know what the problem is with the American charismatic church? You think healing and miracles are the same thing and they're not. A miracle happens suddenly, healing takes time. So the next time you cut your arm and it, that scab and all that stuff takes time to heal, go, that's what he's doing to Streetsboro. The roads, the buildings, he's healing the land. The land's being healed. Portage County's being healed. Garrettsville's being healed. Kent is being healed. Why? Because there's a remnant of people that is not just praying for somebody on drugs. They're actually praying on earth as it is in heaven. Restore the Garden of Eden. Healing, healing, heal our land, heal America, heal our land, heal our land. Is the church in the worst place because it's dark? Or are we about to be in the best place because we got people finding out who they are in beloved identity? Man, this is so good when you read this. Don't live foolishly and then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. Don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled continually with the Holy Spirit and your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord. How do you know you're starting to slip into rebellion? You lose your joy. My brother, you're falsely identifying me. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, go get your joy back. Whatever path you were walking that you were fully alive, get on that one. Get on that one. Get your joy back. Get your joyful song back. Keep speaking. Begin to speak. Watch. Life and death is in the tongue. You speak life into what you create. The world you live in, you created it through your language. Keep speaking to each other with words of scripture, singing of psalms, 
praises, spontaneous songs over one another that are given by the Spirit. Always give thanks to the Father for every person he brings into your life. Give thanks for every. Don't be selected saying Burger King. Because even you you didn't like that one, God put him there. And you didn't like how he handled you, God put him there. Because God's trying to work you out in his goodness. And listen, you're gonna have to realize you got some sand people that will smooth you out and you got some rock people that will begin to get away with the rough edges. God's placing different people in your life for a reason and you need to give honor for everybody who grabbed hold of you, whether you like them or not, and walk with them into the greatest days of not your history, the churches. You don't think God is trying to put people that rub you the wrong way together? How do you think Peter felt when he had to walk in the room after he denied Christ to a 14-year-old girl? How do you think he felt when he had to lock eyes with Jesus' mama? The man who was once identified as the fisherman, the rock, he was a little bit bad to the bone. He was a little bit tough. He was a little bit rough around the edges. But then all of a sudden, God starts putting, man, you don't think Paul rubbed Peter a little. I've been, I walked with Jesus, Paul. Yeah, but you're not sitting with the Jews and the Gentiles. You're picking your own thing out, Peter. If you don't want people to call out your stuff, you've completely not read the Bible. This thing is about a family being so interwoven together that where I'm weak, I need you to be strong. That's why I literally, I've, I've, I've discovered something new, thank to Mark Casto, that inside of any kind of marriage counseling whatsoever, any kind of relationship issue, this is what Mark, Holy Spirit told Mark to do, sit them down and look at each other and say, now that Jesus and you talk to them, not your emotions, not your offense, not your hurt, not your pain, that Jesus in you talk to them. You know what Jesus is not going to do? He's not going to pull any punches. Because I know everybody immediately was like, I love you. I forgive you. What about when Jesus looked at Peter and called him the devil? Don't forget about that one. But you, listen, you, it better be in love. I don't think Jesus was being sarcastic when he called Peter the devil. He was telling him, you're misidentified. You're misidentified. You're misidentified. When Banny Leacher went into the office of Chris Valentin in the book that we're reading right now, and he looked at him and he said, man, my ministry's doing great. My life's doing great. He sits down with a spiritual father and the man looks at him because he has one, one weak length of leaven means weakness. Leaven means leaven. And we need to get our weak areas exposed so that we can come into the wholeness and righteousness of God. So any kind of weak area is actually a shaded area where we need light to begin to expel and light to come in and light to fulfill so we can be a shining light. We don't want to be fractured in any area. That's why Jesus died on the cross. So you could be death, burial, resurrection, and wholeness. You were co-buried in his death and you were co-raised in his resurrection. And this is what he's calling for. For you to be entangled. Thank God for every person he brings into your life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is this important? Go to Romans because we've been in Romans 8 for like two months. So we're getting to the place of we need to believe something. 11.30, Jason. I'm on schedule. He sits in the back so he can wave like, hey, brother, we got an Easter egg hunt and people's got turkeys on and hams and people are like, I can't believe you're keeping yourself to a time schedule. I'm going to honor people's time in this room. That's why we switched to Sunday nights. And I'm telling you, how many of you woke up this morning and was like, man, I wish it was Sunday night. (laughs) Dude, I woke up this, our house has to get up at like 6, 6.30 to get here before ye all. And alarm's going off and she's kicking me. I'm like, man, I thought we cursed Sunday morning, man. Like, what the heck? (laughs) It's silly, man. I need two two monsters this morning. No, I didn't. Ask Tina. Alarm goes off. I'm like, hey, what's up? How are we doing, everybody? And then I'm the only one in the house going and shaking everybody. (laughs) So watch this. Why do we need connectability in the body? Because literally when you came to an altar, how many came to an altar and gave their life to Christ? How many of you did that? You have that moment where you gave your life to Christ. You know what's amazing? When God saw you come to the altar 
and give your life to Christ. And that could have been in a church. It could, let's, I'm going to get real on you. That could have been in a jail cell. That could have been in a car. That could have been in the woods. Wherever you built your altar to get alone with God, that's your business. Your relationship with God is your business. But in that, when God saw you cry out to him and you gave your life to him, do you know what he saw? Every person you would have influence with. Every person you would have contact with. He saw that. So when he saw you come to an altar, he saw the 100, 200, 300, the one, the two, your kids. Because how many of like me came to an altar before I even thought about marriage, thought about children? Come on, raise your hand. You was raised in church. God saw your kids. Lisa, God saw your grandchildren. God saw your great-grandchildren. God saw all of that. And so this is why we've got to come into this, and this is the last thing I'm going to read. Oh, man, this is so good. Verse, did I go 17? Yep, I went 17, then 18, okay? And since we are the true children of God, we qualify to share all of his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we, are also, we also inherit all that he is and that he was. We will experience being co-glorified. So this celebration of resurrection is also the celebration of us. We will experience being co-glorified with him provided that we accept his sufferings as our very own. I am convinced for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever is convinced believes. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled where? Within us. Apostle Damon taught us the answer for the world around us is the one that is within us. So verse 28. So we are convinced, we believe again. We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. I love how it says this, every detail of our life. You know what that means? You're going to have to receive my bad side and I might have to receive yours. It's every detail. Didn't say every good thing. It says every detail of your life. So the bad details that you're pointing out in me or the bad details I'm pointing out with you, those got to get interwoven. James 4 says that's how they get fixed. Confess your faults one to another so that you could pray for one another so that you could be healed, not complain about one another. Pray for one another. So if we can begin to deal with our faults, our faults will become strengths and our strengths will become an interwoven basket that can now can begin to contain a weight or begin to contain what we call revival or awakening or presence or glory. And the reason we don't have glory across the globe is because we won't allow ourselves to be interwoven when offense come because Jesus said offenses will come, but those that are rooted in me won't be easily offended. He's actually going to put rough people in your life just to see how close you are to him. So you, you can eventually get close to them and we can eventually walk out the commandment of Yeshua, which is love my father with all of your heart and love your neighbor as I loved you. If I had time to teach you about my triangles, it would take us into the fifth and sixth dimension. But we've got to get this coming together part right here. And this is the last piece of it. So we are convinced that every detail of our life is continually woven together for good. For we are his, we, all of this is plural. We are his lovers who have been called, not you being called. We have been called together. We have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness. That's what our apostles have been talking about. He co-glorified with his sons. What does co-glorification mean? 
Isaiah 60 and Isaiah 61. How did I start this out? Arise and shine out of what your sleep. Isaiah 60 is the prophecy of Jesus, which is the prophesy of the body. Go ahead, Armin, come up. Did not lie to you today. There's no spirit of lying in the room. Now, everybody listen to me. From the worship to the speaking, this next part is the most important. Because a lot of times here, it happens in the worship, and it didn't happen in the worship today, and that's fine. But anytime we gather together, I understand we won't be begotten by the word. I understand that. God's words won't fall void. But I'm going to say this to everybody in this room. When we gather together as a body, it is to do one thing. It's to set an atmosphere for somebody to encounter the love of God. Now listen, there was enough encounter in this room on Friday night for Passover. The tears, the prophecies. You need this altar, you come to it. And what do I mean by this? If there's one leaven inside of you, one fiber that makes you think you're not loved, that makes you think that you have no value, then what good is Easter if that doesn't get made whole? He who knew no sin became sin so that I could come be the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Righteousness, not to be in right standing with God. Apostle Damon has taught us that. Who is God in right standing with? Righteousness means to be as you ought to be. So inside of love, loving, love, loving, love, we can't see the movement of God the way he does. So before time began, before Adam ever came to the earth, I believe God was taking dirt and just throwing it up. A big smile on his face. A third of heaven left. Lucifer didn't know how much I loved him. Lucifer didn't know the greatness I created him to bring forth praise and light. And that broken angelic being, instead of coming to the love of the Father and saying, I don't feel fulfilled. I want everybody looking at me. This is where it gets into these moments and we start figuring out everything else to pay attention to but me. This isn't about me. It's God speaking to you and going, man, but you don't know, you don't know how deep this well is. You don't know how deep this well is. Just like the woman at the well when she starts looking at Jesus. You don't know how deep this thing is. Jesus knew every hair on her head. He knew the dimensions of that well, but he also knew the depth of her brokenness. And when God created you, it's the same way that he created Adam with a smile on his face. Listen, listen. Some of you get created like Sam. And go, why would God put Sam in a broken woman? Because God knew that Sam would find the hands of a Mike and Jen. And Sam would one day be raised in the house of a prophet. And he would cry out for his mom like Jason Upton's story. And then one night when Jason Upton was raised by a prophet and praying on a piano, a woman finds a church and comes in. And we come to find out the day that that broken woman that couldn't raise her son got saved was the day that she came face to face with her biological son. And God's going, I always have the plan of redemption. I always have the plan of redemption. I always have the plan. Your family may be broken today, but all things work together for the good to those that love God. I want it today. I want my family back together today. And God's going, I want you. And then from your shining light, I'll draw your mom. I'll draw your dad. I'll draw your cousin. I'll draw who's ever broken in your story. Because when you come to God and you let him do, this isn't about giving your life for heaven. It was never about just giving your life so that you could go to the sweet by and by. For God so loved the world, you could taste everlasting life now. 
you're supposed to be enjoying this. And you're supposed to be enjoying the people around you. Because when God threw you up, every dimension in time, he knew every per- he knew you were going to come here today. He knew you were going to come here today. Let's stand all over this building. I know people that have done church for 40 years and never felt love. Because why? Christianity made it all about things. Made it all about things. Listen, I don't want anybody to be caught in stuff. But what's going to help rearrange your life is you finding love. You finding love. And I love how my apostle says it. If you're not burning as hot today, as the first day you looked in the eyes of love, then today's grace. Today's grace. If you feel stretched and you feel torn and you're like, man, I hear what you're saying. I just don't know the path. Here's the path. When I give this altar call, just come and stand, come and kneel, but just open your heart and close your eyes and say, I'm letting love in. I'm letting love in because the answer for the world around me is the one within me. I'm letting love in. I'm letting love in. I'm going to let love begin to control everything in my life. I'm going to let love begin to control it. And guess what? When you do wrong, guess what comes rushing in? Love. Love. Love will help you walk. And you're not to lean to your own understanding, but in all your ways, trust the Lord. How do we get to the place of trust? You're going to have to let go. You're going to have to let go. And God's looking for some people to let go because he's a king seated today. It's Resurrection Sunday. And it's time for you to resurrect your dreams. It's time for you to resurrect everything that God, when he was throwing you in the circle dance of love before he put you in your mother's womb, the book of Jeremiah said, I knew you. And any thought that's evil and any thought is you have no count, no purpose. I don't know if I really mean much. Somebody lied to you. You mean the world to God. You. That's what this is all about. People, relationship. For God so loved us. And it's about every individual in this room. You were on his mind when he was on the cross. And now that he's in us, let us get so entangled in love that a city become set on a hill that can't be hidden. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Gate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.